0: Thousands of years ago, four young men were thrust into a godless culture they called Babylon. Yet amid such circumstances, they were elevated, they thrived, and even impacted an entire nation without ever compromising their character or their devotion to God. Today, we live in our own type of Babylon, with its own chaos facing our own temptations but what can the lives of those four young men teach us about impacting our world without compromise let's discover how to hold on to our faith while thriving in babylon And so we're in week four of Thriving in Babylon. And whether you are joining us in the courtyard or online or in person, I'm really uh, glad that you are here. And when we set out to do this, we originally planned a four-week series. But I just want to let you know that next week, we're actually going to continue one more week. Pastor Mac and I have like the perfect tag team message for the kind of the exclamation point on this. And so um, I've loved this conversation. It's something that's dear to my heart because the whole heart is, as you just saw in the video, Thriving in Babylon is basically in a, in a culture, in a world, in a society that doesn't know God, doesn't believe in God, doesn't value God, isn't worshiping God, how can we stay true to God, stay true to our identity, and maybe even find ourselves being elevated and gaining influence so that other people in a culture that is godless will start turning their hearts and their lives? To God, That is the whole heartbeat behind thriving in Babylon. And I believe that no matter what happens in our culture, society, whether we move towards God or away from God, we can have influence and we can move people towards God. And that's what our church is all about. And so if you're new or, or you don't remember, let me just give you the fastest, most brief recap of where we've at, because we're studying the book of Daniel, uh, him and his three friends that were taken uh, into captivity from Jerusalem into Babylon. And yet they were able to, to really make a massive influence under two different kings, two different uh Kind of uh, kingdoms, as well as uh, both of both times, they saw people come to know God. And so, in week one, we talked about what Babylon is. Is just simply Babylon is a culture that wants to just strip your identity and compromise your character. It is. It does not want you to live like God, know who you are. It doesn't want you to walk in who you are. It wants you to think, live, and act like the world around you. And when when whenever uh, wh- whoever God has made you to be, it's going to literally attack every um, every element of that. And so that's kind of what we talked talked about week one. And then um, week two, we looked at um, the the five. and we talked about um, how worship is actually just our response to what we value most. And we kind of went through the Bible that throughout the biblical history and human history that our enemy, whether it's Babylon, Satan, evil, whatever you want to call it, has kind of used three tactics, three false gods that since day one has been drawing us away from this, including the fact that Satan actually tried all three of these on Jesus. And three things that we can just know are going to seduce us away from our identity and our character are the lure of possessions power, and pleasure. And we talked that any of these things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but they can't be the thing that we worship or value the most. And so that was week two. And then week three, last week, Pastor Brandon um, talked about just about how uh, our faith will be tested. It will be agitated, that, that we can expect that if you're going to stand for God, that you're going to have to kind of put your character, put your identity on the line. And so we talked about that your faith will be agitated. We talked about that your faith will be tested. And so these guys went through some stuff. And so kind of the the synopsis here is Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, uh, the story starts, they were taken from their homes. They were taken away from their family and their friends. Most of their family and their friends were killed. Um, They had to learn a new language. They had to learn a new culture. They had to learn the Babylonian magic. Um, Physically, their manhood was literally taken from them, not to be gross, it just is what it is. And yet, in light of all that, they stayed true to God, They never compromised on their character. They didn't bow to cultural idols and were spared from lions and fiery furnaces. And in light of that, they were elevated and promoted to high places of influence in a culture that didn't value their background or their religion whatsoever. And because of their faith and because of everything I just said, we saw a nation turn their attention and worship God that previously didn't because of the faith of just a select few under two different regimes or two different kingdoms. But we, as we talked about last week, and I'll remind us of this, in both instances with the fire and with the lions, they were neither elevated nor did anybody in the culture turn toward God until their faith was tested first, until they had the opportunity to stand up for God. And so, so we've been talking about these guys lay out this template of, man, like, they did it. They were about it. They, they found a way in a godless culture to elevate themselves, to be successful, to, to still gain respect. Uh, and, th- and it's interesting because they didn't choose the route that most of the people those days chose. And so we've kind of laid out, we've kind of talked about what they did this week and next week are like the how. It's why like, man, these are gonna be so good. But, but, but how did they do it? How did they know? Sometimes we just read the Bible and we're like, well, of course they did. But if you're to put yourself in the story, how do they know what to do? How did they know how they should have approached it? How did they, like, do where they just, like, came from good families or what? And so I think that's a great question. When I look at these stories, I'm like, man, what did they know? What did they have? And I have knew these stories as a kid my whole life growing up in church. I didn't know the part I'm going to tell you until way later, and I was like, oh. And so what I'm going to tell you is what I learned is, what if I told you that after they were taken into captivity, they had very specific instructions from God himself about how to navigate Babylon. In fact, he laid out a blueprint for them. And I believe it's in fact, the very same blueprint that we are called to follow in a culture that doesn't value God, worship God, believe in God, follow God. If I told you what it was, would you wanna know what it is? I'm gonna bet that you've heard part of this, but you haven't heard it like this. So here's what you need to know. Somebody say there and then. Yes. So you have to know what happened there and then so we can apply it more appropriately here and now. There and then, Babylon overtook Jerusalem, killed most of them, saved a few young men. There were a few people left in Jerusalem. Um, and in that time in Israel, there were these uh, men who would hear from God. God would speak to them rather audibly. And then he would tell the people what they were to do. The Bible calls these what? Prophets. Prophets. One of the prophets of that time was Ezekiel. Another prophet of that time was a prophet named Daniel, uh, Daniel uh, but was a prophet named Jeremiah. Anybody ever heard of the book of Jeremiah? God spoke unbelievably clear directions to Jeremiah to tell all of the exiles in Babylon, which was the absolute key to their success. And I believe it'll be the key to our success if we're gonna continue to excel and see people turn to God in our world and culture. Do you wanna know what Jeremiah had to say? I mean, it couldn't be more clear. There's no stretch in this whatsoever. And so we're gonna read pretty much the whole chapter. I'm gonna skip like three verses. Um, So Jeremiah chapter 29. If you have your Bible or your U version, you might know a verse from this. I'm gonna show you the accurate context and you're gonna realize how out of context we've taken that scripture our entire existence. And so this is straight from the Bible. Here was God's blueprint of how to thrive in Babylon. Here's what he said to them. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse one. This is the letter. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders in the exiles to the priests and the prophets and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, let's just stop right there. I feel that super clear. So this is a very specific letter written to a very specific group of people at a very specific time. Like so specifically, it's the people who were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon while Nebuchadnezzar was king and Jehoiakim was in charge, right? Which all those names we see also in Daniel chapter one. So it's like, if you find yourself in this situation, God's like, I got you. And so he starts out the letter and then he's gonna make some connections in the next couple of verses. Here's what God said. And this is why they were able to thrive in Babylon because God gave them the template and the blueprint and it's ours as well. Verse four, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those, watch this language. This is what God says to those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's saying, I did this. And they, they shouldn't have been surprised. You know why? Because for like 100 years, prophets were like, it's, it's not gonna go well. You guys keep not listening to God. It's, you're gonna end up in captivity again. They had been warned like a good three or four generations. And so God's like, I told you this is coming. Here's the template. Jeremiah 29, five. Here's what you do when you get to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to me, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty God of Israel says. And then he says, Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you, or you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. If you want to know what they're talking about, go read Jeremiah 28, because one other false prophets like it ain't going to be that bad and Jeremiah's like no it's going to be bad you're a liar stop it and then he died it's a true story go read Jeremiah 28 so this is what God says that's a that's a blueprint he's like Mary settle down plant build rock it out make it awesome and if it's awesome it'll be awesome for you like and he says Mary have sons pray your sons have sons does that sound you sound like you're getting out of there anytime soon no No. well how long we gonna be there Lord 10 verse 10 This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back from this place. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, this is all contextually so important. Verse 12, then then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me because you ain't been doing that for a good 100 years or so. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from the place in which I carried you into exile. That's about the most specific prophecy or blueprint you'll see anywhere in the Bible. God's like, check it out. They're gonna get you. I'm in charge, I did all of it, planned it a long time ago, warned you, you could have avoided it, you didn't. So while you're there, plant, build, marry, increase, do well, Uh, about 70 years or so, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna bring you back together. This all happened in 576 BC, by the way, 576, if you're like a history note taker, 576 BC. Anybody wanna take a shot at what happens around 0506 BC? It's like 70 years later, they all end up back in Jerusalem. Everything God said here happened. (laughs) who's ever heard Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you. Yeah, the context kind of matters here. Not saying that God isn't saying that to you, but that's a very specific word to a very specific group of people under very specific circumstances. Now we know God's character is always the same, but he was packaging something far greater and bigger. And so now these guys know day one of captivity, we need to thrive in Babylon because we're gonna be here a minute. And so he says, don't compromise your character. Don't stop worshiping me. And you guys got to figure out how to elevate and excel in a culture that yours is not yours and in a religion that doesn't care who I am. And what he didn't say is, by the way, if you do, other people are going to follow me. But it hasn't changed one bit. So there's this unbelievable template here. And, then he, and, and exactly what he says happens. Now, if you get into like way history, what's fascinating is they do end up in Jerusalem, but not as their own kingdom because they were still rebellious. And it's the Persians. And it's really, really fascinating. It was all predicted and it all leads to Jesus. It's really cool. But I want, so he says all this stuff, Mary, build, plant, eat, Mary, increase. But I want to highlight one verse because here is the secret to thriving in Babylon. And this is what our church has been about from day one. It's what we've been about probably on a larger uh, like intensity and scale even in the last year than I've ever seen. And it's who we will be, continue to be, because we believe that no matter what happens in Cape Coral, Florida, America, this is who we're called to be. And it's verse seven. And so I know Jeremiah 29 11 is everybody's most famous verse in Jeremiah 29. Mine's verse seven. Because this is our verse. Because here's how you thrive in Babylon: seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Now, some of you are like, "Well, God didn't carry me here. I chose this." Oh, who do you think's in control? In control? Yes. Who do you think's in charge? Yep. You're cute. <laughs> My job promoted me. You think Pfizer has that much power? Try God Almighty. You think your sales job landed you in Florida? No, God did. To which I have said you into exile. And then he says this: pray to the Lord for it. Here's why. Rising tides lift all boats. If it prospers, it's good for you. If it doesn't prosper, that will be bad for you. So he gives very specific instructions: make it better. Those pagan, godless, Captors, the same one who castrated you, the same one who killed your mama and killed your prophets and desecrated your temple and don't wanna have anything to do with your God, make it better. Ooh, just got real, didn't it? But they did it and they did it while staying true to God, not eating food that was sacrificed to idols. They still prayed three times a day and they never forgot that I'm not actually Shadrach, I'm Hananiah, I'm not actually Meshach. I'm Mishael. I'm not actually Abednego. I'm Azariah. I'm not Belteshazzar. I'm Daniel. And when culture bows, I'm not going to bow to your stupid culture idols. And we'll just see who's really in charge, King Neb. <laughs> and so he says, seek the peace. And so this word peace is, is a, is a massive, compli- not complicated, complex word in the language. And so there's a couple words for us that, that really capture this. That word peace, another great word that you'll see through many of the translations is the word welfare. Seek the welfare. And so uh, looking up the word welfare, the welfare, this is what God is saying. How do we thrive in Babylon? And by the way, this is true for them, it's true for us. The state of doing well, especially in respect of good fortune, happiness, well-being, or prosperity. God tells these guys to make their pagan, foreign, godless nation better. Why? Because like, if you are who I think you are and you stay true to me, everybody's going to turn to me at one point. Watch what I'm about to do. So he says, seek the welfare. I, don't, I think we have a hard time with this. That God would say that we're supposed to make a pagan, godless, self-absorbed, multiple god secular city better. Why? Because if it's blessed, we too are blessed. That word welfare is like, let's, we want to see, every, it's, I love Pastor Brandon says this all the time. We've kind of adopted. He's like, let's just all win together. Let's just all win. Let's just all win. I win, you win. The more I get blessed, you get blessed. I mean, what, what if that was just how we all live? The more, the more I got, the more I can help. Every time we get somebody to give a donation or do something, I'm like, hey, thank you for helping us more people. Help. Thank you for helping us help more people. Like, what if we just had that mindset? Like, let's just all win together. Welfare. That other, the other word you'll see in there is that word shalom. It's a big word in, in the Jewish culture, shalom. Somebody say shalom. Shalom, shalom is, is peace, but it's so much more than just the absence of conflict, but it's actually this comprehensive completeness and well-being. It's, it's a complete peace. It's complete contentness. It's, it's, it's lacking nothing. And so, so God is saying, so here's what God is saying to them at the beginning. Like, I know you're in Babylon. This is about to be crazy. You're gonna have to go to a new school. But here's what he's saying. He says, I want you to do my work in the city. So don't reject the city. Don't write off the city. Don't ignore the city. He says, I want you to seek my best in the city. That's how you thrive in Babylon. And that is who we are called to be and that is what we are called to do. And it doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, Babylon, if you will seek God's best, wherever you are planted, if it's blessed, you two are blessed and it gives every moment purpose. I just said it a minute ago. It's a, it's a common phrase, but a rising tide will lift all boats. What does that mean? When things get better, everybody, let's all win together. And so what's our mandate as followers of Jesus in 2023 in the United States of America, in Lee County, Florida, or wherever you're watching from, make the city better. Make it better. Like, and make it God's city in his name. And here's what's crazy. This would have been so foreign to them. Because if you were a Jew that grew up in Jerusalem in that time, um, there were three holidays a year. You're gonna hear more about two of them next week in in message. message. Um, and uh, there were two of them a year where you, it was a pilgrimage. You had to go up to Jerusalem and they would always quote, quote scripture and sing songs. And there was one that they always sang because still to this day, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is the biggest deal to Judaism. I was just there a couple months ago. And so as you a Jew, you were brought up to sing and pray about the peace of Babylon in, in Psalm one, or sorry, the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of Jerusalem, seek the peace. This is not a new idea. Because, But it was always about the peace of my city, the peace of my religion, just the peace of our little group and our little network. In Psalm 122, I just want to show you this, verses six through nine, this would have been something they sang, quote, and memorized at an early, early age. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you, this is to God, be secure. May, the, may there be peace within your walls, security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Does that sound familiar? The peace and the prosperity. So their whole lives, they had been taught to seek the peace and the prosperity of Jerusalem. But now the prophet Jeremiah is saying, hey, God is like spoke right to me. And he's saying, pray for the peace of Babylon. Even your enemies, even your captors, even your offenders. And they were like, man, have we ever seen this before? Oh yeah, our father Joseph in Egypt, he did the same thing. In fact, in Genesis 50, 20, he launched the entire Old Testament with one statement. He said, what you intended for evil, God always set up from the beginning to be good. Amen. We've seen this. We've seen this play run before. Our father Joseph did this, and so we're gonna be like Joseph. And so they had Joseph an example. So with the, the, the few minutes that we have left, as, as, as maybe they're like, wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. That's really awesome. I just want to talk for a few minutes. How do we do this? There's a, about a billion ways, by the way. and But these two, these two um, this week's going to be kind of practical. Like here's some things we're going to do. We're going to even, we're going to kind of have an initiative. And then next week, we're going to talk about the power to do it. And you don't want to miss it because next week's Pentecost week. Um, uh, and so how do we seek the peace? How do we seek the prosperity? How do, we, how do we see the rising tides? And so we're just gonna take two things straight here from scripture. Two, It's right there in the text, Jeremiah 29, seven. Number one is pray for it. Somebody say pray for it. Pray for it. Why would I say pray for it? Do we have the scripture back up? Uh, seek the peace, and the prosperity of the city, which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Where do I start? I wouldn't even know what to do. Well, let's start here. Pray for it. So here's my first initiative. Here's what I'm gonna invite and ask you to do. Now, you might be watching online and you live somewhere in uh, Canada or, or, or in the Midwest, probably Ohio, um, all your friends are here, but you're still there. Um, <laughs> or Boston, but you're back home because spring training's over, whatever, wherever you're at. So here's just what I'm gonna ask. What if, and here, just get this. What if we all just took five minutes a day this week, just five minutes, and we just prayed for our city? There's about four to 5,000 people that regularly attend Cape Christian, by the way. Let's just call it 4,000. Anybody know what 4,000 times five is? 20,000. 20,000. We could log 20,000 minutes of bringing heaven to earth through prayer if we would all just give five minutes. See, that's the beauty of the church. Nobody's meant to carry the whole thing. You do your five minutes and you do your five minutes and you do your five minutes. Like, what are we gonna do this week? We're gonna pray for our city for 20,000 minutes. How? Oh, I'm just doing my five five minutes. What do we pray for? Glad you asked. (laughs) Here's a few things. You're probably going to want to go back and watch it because I'm going to rifle through them faster than you can type or write. Pray for blessing for people. Pray for repentance that people would turn away from the world and evil and Babylon and hatred and all this stuff and towards God and love and grace and mercy. Pray for repentance. How about pray for health for people? How about pray for safety, for our schools, for our leaders, for our law enforcement, for officials, for everything? We live in a crazy time. How about pray for security? How about pray for justice? And not just your favorite form of it, all of it? Because Dr. King said, "Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, and I happen to 100 percent agree with him. But we don't got time to talk about that today. <laughs> pray for favor. What if instead of starting to pray for favor for yourself, you started praying for favor for your friends, coworkers, and neighbors first? God bless my neighbor. Give favor to my, hey, how about this? Oh, PC, man, you don't know my manager. If, you had a, if I had a bad manager, I'd be like, God, you better bless the snot out of my manager. Give him favor. Give him undeserved favor. Why? Because if he prospers, you too will prosper. Oh, but my, my, I work for Satan. Pray for favor. Pray for blessing. Pray for safety. Why? Because I also read somewhere else that whatever you sow, you're gonna reap somewhere between 30 and 100 times back. So even if they don't deserve it, I think your future deserves it. Be smart, invest in yourself. Pray for salvation. Crazy idea. Our whole reason we exist is to introduce new people to Jesus. Why don't we pray that our city gets saved? Pray that your neighbor gets saved. Pray that Satan, your boss, gets saved. Pray that Satan, your neighbor, gets saved. I don't know. Pray that people who didn't even think they were looking for Jesus would find Jesus and become fully aware that Jesus would start to reveal himself in the most real ways, which by the way, is happening and it's crazy. The stories are just like addicting what we're hearing happening God do in our our community right now. Pray that people's hearts would be turned away from the world and pray and be turned towards God. Pray for leaders in the CIA. Pray for families. Pray for your family. Pray for other families. Pray that marriages would be strengthened. Pray that dads and moms would stay together and raise their kids in a God-fearing manner. That way they would raise adults that could contribute to society versus just be completely self-centered. Pray for marriages. Pray for kids. Pray for parents. Pray for those in need. And here's a couple of ideas from Jesus. Pray for people you don't like. His idea, pray for people you disagree with. Pray for the fill in the blank. Conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, pray whatever it is. Oh, I don't know, Corey. Well, Jesus said to do it. And you know what? They kind of need your prayer, but your heart needs your prayer way more than they kind of need your prayer. Pray for those who are different than you. Well, I just don't understand. it, God, I don't understand but just help them to see you and know you. I pray that they would know that their identity is in you. You'd give them favor and blessing, that it wouldn't be about them, that they would know you and their identity, and they would cause others to know you. You don't have to understand their story. You don't have to agree with everything. They don't have to, just pray for them. Five minutes, five minutes. Pray for your pastors. God, we need it. You guys are crazy. We need it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm serious, but I don't mean it. Pray for, pray. Or you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Let me just give you the words of Jesus and just put this on blast for five minutes. God, I just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Cape Coral or Fort Myers or wherever part of Lee County you live in? God, I just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in my marriage. I just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done at Lee Health. I just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Lee Schools. I just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done at my competitor's insurance firm. I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done for all the other realtors that are trying to sell the houses I'm trying to sell. I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done for that other, for my (laughs) ex-spouse. Jesus said all this. I mean, we can make jokes, but let's get real for a second. That's the heart of God. Because Jesus isn't a side taker. He came for the human side. And if he's gonna meet me in my brokenness, then he's gonna meet somebody else in their brokenness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and not just once, usually daily, if you're anything like me. And so could you imagine the effect that will have on our hearts and the effect it'll have on our city? 20, can we just, what if we just log 20,000 minutes of prayer? How, that's so much, five minutes. I don't know what to say. I just think and told you. Okay, five minutes. So p- part one of the initiative, Monday, just Monday through Friday. I'm not even asking for the weekends because I know that's a lot for some of you. Just Monday through Friday. <laughs> pray for it. I want to show you the, the, the translation in the New Living Translation, how it renders. In Jeremiah 27, it says, uh, it says pray to the Lord. Uh, no, the... Oh, we missed it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, we got it. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you. I love love God, he's so smart. Because he knows some of us, we'd love to spend 500 minutes just being like, God, just pray, I just want, pray some more. Like, God, my neighbor needs to know about you. Uh, My neighbor needs to cut his grass. My coworkers need to like grow up a little bit. And the whole time God's like, hey, why don't you go do that? Like, hey, you're the answer to that prayer. Hey, so praying for it's important, but he's like, okay, now get up and go do something. So number one is pray for it. Number two is work for it work for it. How do you seek the peace and the prosperity of your city? I don't know, it's like the Bible's like so complicated. I don't know. Pray for it, work for it. I think we can handle that. Pray for it, work for it. 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 I'm really busy. I know we all got a couple minutes to pray for it and a couple minutes to work for it. Work for it. By the way, if you think about the approach, the, the, the religious leaders, we'll call them the Pharisees of those days, the religious leaders, there were two common approaches to, to Babylon and evil. The Pharisees wanted to run from it and the Babylonians wanted you to become like them. And so throughout history, religion has said, let's run and Babylon and the world has said, just conform. And Jesus and Daniel are like, ah, no, we're not gonna do either of those. See the Babylonians, they want the Israelites to conform to their city But if we reject the place God has for us, we will have no impact. If we conform to the place that we live around, we will have no impact. We are not called to remove ourselves from the place God has brought us. We are also not called to resemble the place God has brought us. We are called to seek the peace in serve and in love. So don't pray, don't run and don't conform. How? We gotta live intentionally. And here's what I love about this. Jeremiah, when he was writing this, wasn't writing to an organization. He was writing to individuals. Because I know some of you are like, yeah, let's seek the peace. What's Cape Christian going to do next? I want to say this humbly. I think we're doing well. Hurricanes, Christmas villages, COVID. I mean, we're doing well. Here's my challenge to you. Don't wait for us to tell you the next thing that we're going to do. He's not writing to, about an organization. He's writing to individuals. Well, I would serve more, but man, Cape Christian hasn't done anything in the city since like serve day. Ugh. And I missed it. So like, they're kind of failing me. No, you go do something, you go work for it. You know why? Because I, in fact, I want you all to say this with me. I am responsible for me. That's like the most true thing you've said today. I am responsible for me. Greatness comes through serving. So here's how we do it. I've been teaching this since I was a young, the youngest leader is one of the first leadership principles I learned. I've sold my life out to it. And I think it works, I think it's biblical. It's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. Y'all know this one, thermostats and thermometers? Two similar items, right? What does a thermostat, or a thermometer, what does a thermometer do? Tells you the temperature, right? Tells you how cool it is inside, tells you that if you're in Florida, the temperature of your pool water, 84, Brrr. you know. um, I know who you are. It just reads the temperature. All it does is read the climate. What does a thermostat do? Sets the climate. One tells the room or the pool how warm or cold it's going to be. And the other one just reads what's going on. We are not called to be thermometers, we're called to be thermostats. And most of us, this is the simplest thing, but you've been living your life as as a, I'm gonna say it wrong, thermometer. You're just like, well, I just work in a toxic environment, so I'm toxic. We'll be less toxic. Well, everybody around me just gossips and complains. So, I ca- so then don't gossip and complain. Turn the temperature up or turn it down or whatever it is. Everybody just gets yelling and we're arguing. Then be cool, dude. Thermostats, not Thermometers. See, people are either thermostats or thermometers. We merely reflect the climate around us or we set it. How do you work for the peace of your city? You go set the temperature in your city. You set the temperature in your home. You set the temperature in your place of work. You spiritually set the temperature. You attitude set the temperature. You get out. And listen, I tell my staff, my team all the time, there's only three things we're ever in in control of. And so if you're fighting for control of anything other than these three things, you're wasting your time and energy. Attitude, effort, and preparation. So, What's a thermostat attitude? Everybody in, my, everybody in my workplace has a bad attitude. We'll have a good one and see what happens. See if a couple people move from 74 to 82. Don't let them bring you down. And so we say it this way at Cape Christian. We, it's one of our, we, and so the way you be a thermostat is you have to live intentional. And, and for me, it's the two words that are at the top of my resume that I can do any job that lets me do this. It's add value. It's one of our codes here at church. It says we add value Everywhere, meaning this, that we believe that every interaction matters and we leave things better than we found them. So what does it say? We add value where? Everywhere. So where, well, where should I be a thermostat? Everywhere. Temperature, 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 temperature. Are you gonna reflect the climate or are you gonna set it? That's how you work. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, then pray for it first and make part of your five minute prayer. God, help me to go set the temperature at work. Help me to set the temperature at my small group. Help me to set the temperature wherever I'm going. Help me to set the temperature at my Christian business, at my Christian school, at my church. Help me to set the temperature. Every interaction matters, and we leave everything better than we found it. Here's what I love about this. Do you know what this does for us? In a world searching for purpose, this gives every moment purpose. If every interaction matters, and you have the opportunity to leave every environment better than you found it, then every interaction matters. So stop bringing the temperature down. Stop reading the temperature, but bring it up. And if that's you, listen, God's not mad at you. He's just calling you to something higher. Let's be thermostats every moment. So how, how am I going to do this? Can I give you my four-step process? It's really, really simple. First, I value people. Then I think of ways to value people. Then I look for ways to value people. And then I do the things that I thought about and I looked for. It's really simple. And it's like addictive and it'll change your life. Just start by asking God to help me to value people. Then start thinking about ways you can do it. Then start looking for ways you can do it. And then just start doing it. And then if you get to like level five bonus leader, start influencing other people to do those four things. Add value, so here's my question. Are you adding value in every environment you're in? Probably not, so pick one that the Holy Spirit's going, let's dial it up a little bit. Pray for it, work for it. So, we thought it would be kinda cool to have like a concerted effort. And so when you came in on, on all the seats and we have these available online as well, is we have a Seek the Peace initiative, five things, they're, they're not noted this way, but the idea is, we're gonna take one day a week and we're gonna focus on these kind of in order. And so we gave you a catalyst, a starter. <laughs> Here I am saying, oh, you figured out it out, It'll be an individual, but here's what our church is gonna do. <laughs> um, we just wanna equip you. So we gave you five ways to add value. And so the idea, and you're, um, we're gonna put this every day on social media, I did like a 15 second video. Hey, it's, it's Pay It Forward Monday. And so here's five things, just five things again. Again, what if four or 5,000 of us and whoever else, what if we did this in our cities? And so Monday is pay it forward Monday. Starbucks line, the people behind you, your teacher, your boss, donuts for the office staff, whatever it is, just be intentional. Think of ways to add value and then find ways to add value and then do it and pay it forward, just pay it forward. Let's just pay it forward Monday. And, if, and there, I think there'll be a social media hashtag. I'm not smart or cool enough to know any of that. They'll do that, all that on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it'll, yeah, cool. So pay it forward Monday. And then Tuesday is Speak Life Tuesday. We're gonna go out of our way to encourage somebody and maybe somebody that we normally wouldn't. I'm gonna encourage making it written. And instead of do the low hanging fruit, maybe go to somebody who you know maybe really needs it. Maybe you think about it and you look for it and you pray for it and you ask the spirit to lead you to the person who needs a a word of, of being uplifted that day. Speak Life Tuesday. Maybe some of you should start at home, your kids or your spouse. That's Tuesday. Then Wednesday, do whatever you want. Random acts, of, and random acts of kindness Wednesday. What does that mean? It means what you want it to mean. Hold a door, pick up trash, do all of the above, pay it forward and speak life. Random acts of kindness Wednesday. So what if Wednesday we wake up five minutes, we pray for our city. Now God help me to find and look for ways and be intentional about ways to just do something kind for somebody, whether I planned it or whether it just came to me. I promise if you pray for it and you look for it, opportunities are gonna be everywhere around you. Then four, I love this one. Make something better. I love it. It's so nebulous. Make something better. Like what? Anything. Be a thermostat somewhere, somehow. Again, pay it forward. Act of random kindness, whatever it is. Go into environment. Speak life. Bless somebody. Go out of the way. It doesn't even have to take money. It could just be time and heart. Make something better Thursday. And then we save the best for last. Shopping cart Friday. Yeah. Friday, we're going to own all the parking lots. We're going to put them all back. It's like a serve day. We're putting not just, we have a two row rule in our home. My daughter knows if it's an ours or this one or this one, we're getting them. She doesn't have to do all the ones over there, but not on Friday. We're doing all of them. Friday, we're doing shopping carts. Shopping cart Friday. We are going to get Florida residents to put their stinking shopping carts in the stalls. I don't care. I will die on this hill. Why? Because the Bible tells us to put shopping carts away. No, it doesn't. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city around you. If it prospers, you too will prosper. We all got better things to do than put other people's shopping carts away. Jeremiah told us and we're gonna do it. So that's it. Listen, this isn't, this isn't a super feely. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to be empowered to do this all the time throughout your life. You don't wanna miss next week. But it starts with just something so practical. Five minutes of prayer and one focus of the day. So join us on social media, get on it. If you're fasting it, if you listen to something I said and you got off of it a year ago, give yourself a five-day 5, minute, a five window to get back on it and then get back off. But let's do it together. Let's, let's, let's just change the temperature in our city just for a week. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens at work. Let's just see what happens in our homes. Let's just see what happens in our hearts. By the way, you guys have been doing this on a level I've never seen anybody and an entire city is taking notice of you. So all I'm really saying is, let's just keep going. But let's be intentional. Let's add value. Why? Because every interaction matters. We leave things better than we found them. And if our city prospers, then we prosper. So let's pray for it. Let's work for it. And who knows? God might just do something in you throughout the process. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would. Um, not just inspire us in this moment, but that you would equip us, help us to see the opportunities. I pray that we would take this seriously, God. I pray that you you would continue to use this group of people to seek the peace and the prosperity, the welfare of Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Lee County, the greater area, and anywhere else online. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be your hands and feet, even in our brokenness, even in our imperfection. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire, ignite, and just help us to see all the opportunities. Um, And God, that not only would you work Uh, through us this week, but you would work in us and you would do something in our hearts as well as we take you at your word, in Jesus' name, amen.